Welcome to another installment of the Weird Pastors Kid Podcast. I am your host, Shelton Williams. I have a very special guest here on the podcast. He's someone who is one of the most authentic people that I know about his faith, someone who has been there for me during my most important moments. He's a youth pastor. He's one of my best friends. My guy, Taj Grant. Say hello to the people, man. Shelton, listen, man, I'm, I'm, listen, all right, I, I know this is a serious podcast and everything, I'm just mad that you invited me late to the party, buddy, like, I mean, you here having successful podcasts for like eight months, and here I am just twiddling my thumbs, and I'm like, hello, don't forget about me, <laughs> hey, thank you to all the listeners, I'm so excited to be here, man, and let's, uh, let's, let's get some topics going, my friend. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I very much, man, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. And like I mentioned to my, to my listeners, you are a youth pastor. Um, but more yes. importantly, man, you're a Christian. I mean, a person who's very familiar with the church. Um, and I've been doing this series where I have interviewed people who have uh, left the church. Um, and they had, um, and I wanted to ask you this question. I mean, have you had an opportunity to even check out any of those episodes where I interview people that have, um, you know, left the church? Yeah, I've been able to scrub a few of them, so, um, you know, I haven't heard every single one, but I've definitely heard a, a couple of them as well. Yeah, so, like, in your opinion, okay, since, you know, you know, you have, um, in your opinion, when it comes to church and church topics, um, what area do you think the church can, like, definitely work on that we can be better at? Well, I think that's, that's a great question, dude, and, and to be honest, the answer is actually pretty easy for me. Um, one of the things that I know just in the church, personally, let me just take a step back and say, I think the church is not operating the way that Christ would want it to operate. Um, one of the things that is really uh, mindful to me or really bothersome to me when I think about the church is just the simple fact that the church is so focused on truth, which, by the way, it should be. You know what I mean? There's, there's nothing right. Uh, wrong with with truth. In fact, that's what the church is built upon. But I think the church is forgetting one important part about sharing the truth, and it's the fact that um, it needs to be done in love. You know, and the Bible teaches the fact that the Bible uh, says that we ought to speak truth in love, and I think the love part is severely missing amongst our churches. John, I've been to Plenty Church is my friend where someone is probably struggling with a particular sin, and it's yeah. almost as if someone in the ministry is just trying to win a debate rather than win your brother. And right. for me, yeah. that's just something that really is bothersome. And in my mind, it, you know, you had a lot of people on your podcast that are just leaving the church, and I've seen it just firsthand, you know, in churches that I've been at where people are just walking out because that love does not exist. You know, uh, they're, they're being made to feel like there's some sort of worthless uh, person or this hypocritical person or whatever it may be uh, because they're struggling with a particular sin. And I'm, and I'm thinking to the self, well, what, wait a second. The church's primary goal is to share the gospel and then make disciples. And, and how are you going to disciple somebody without just the aspect of love? You know what I mean? And, I, and exactly. when I deal with a lot of people that have left the church, I, I've talked to so many as well. I have a few friends that uh, don't go to church very much as well. They give the same idea of just, hey, um, you, you struggle with this, or you have this particular mindset, so you actually might not be saved. 
You know, and in, in my yeah. mind, that Man. that has that has nothing to do with salvation. I was in this little small uh, college group up here in Tennessee. Um, that's not affiliated with the church that I go to. I just went with a friend. They did a little devotional. And just one of the ladies there just really rubbed me the wrong way, like in her first sentence. She's like, oh, if you're struggling this, I think you just need to make sure that you check your salvation because you're probably not saved. And oh, in my mind, man. I almost wanted to, like, walk up to her and flip through the Bible and say, like, I, I can't find that verse. You know, the Bible yeah. tells us that salvation is based on one thing and one thing alone, and that's faith. You know, exactly. faith is what the Bible is based off of. Now, for you to have a strong relationship with God, there are things that the Bible talks about that we ought to do as Christians. But when it comes to yeah. salvation, I mean, these, these, there are people here that are getting people to doubt their salvation just A, so they can get some sort of numbers they can report, or B, they have no idea what the Bible says. And it, it, for me, it's just, uh, it's really bothersome. For those who have left, or those who have that pain of, of leaving the church, I want you to know I understand you, quite frankly. You know, it, you're, this is a minister that's talking to you like, oh, you're in sin, you need to get back. I, I understand what you're saying. But understand that there are people like those, that like, like myself, that hear you and actually are looking to make something better. I really don't know if you remember this, Shelton, but you and I had, I'm glad you acted on this uh, podcast because you and I had this conversation about almost a year, a year and a half ago. We were just shooting a text message back and forth. Really? Saying, I wish there was some sort of ministry for those that are broken in the church. And for me, uh, to see you actually put out the podcast is super encouraging to me. Wow, man, this this is so crazy because like um, Christian has said, uh, you know, I'm oh, sorry, um, me and uh, Taj, one of our really good friends is, is a, someone named Christian, and I was talking to her about um, certain things, and she said a lot of the topics that that I'm putting out, out there on the podcast are things that me and her have already talked about, and it's so crazy that Taj mentioned this because it's like I'm not, I'm realizing that I've had these conversations with some of my really good friends. And it's just really great that finally, like, you know, there's a platform for me to actually share these ideas. And I'm, I'm hoping, and the, what I've gotten so far is messages from people saying that they are, have been encouraged by it, by the things yep. that we've been, that um been on the podcast. So I'm so excited that there's, like, um, a platform for me to actually share um, these ideas with people. And, and honestly, mm -hmm. Taj, what you said is so helpful because I think of so many people that are finding love comfort and hope outside of the church and what I mean by that is I believe Satan is preying on these people who have left the church and preying on people that have been hurt by the church because he wants them to find oh love or comfort or hope outside of the church and what what and because of that these people are having their spiritual growth halted you know halted and, and stifled um, and everything and, and that's something I really um, think that if there's more people like yourself, ministers, that can sit back and say, hey, I understand what you guys are going through, and I want to know that, that we do love you, we do care about you. I think what you said is so, so helpful, man, for so many people, because one, that's one of the things Jesus said. Jesus said that, that they will know us by what? Our love, our love mm -hmm. for each other. So I think that's what you just said is so, 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 so important, man. So thank you so much for sharing that um, on the podcast today, man. Yeah, man, and just one one more quick thought on, on that that note that you had just you know mentioned uh, is one of the things that I just finished talking to my teenagers about. Literally, uh, I'd say maybe Sunday morning uh, was the idea that you know you're right, Satan. We, we sometimes forget that Satan is severely active. 
You know, he's not right. as powerful as God. He's not omnipresent, but oh my word, he doesn't rest. You know what I mean? Right. And so the Bible tells us that Satan is like a lion seeking who he may devour. And if you think about a lion, a lion's not going to attack you in your strong points or when you're amongst a herd or a pack or whatever. A lion's going to attack you when you're weak or some of your weakest points or when you're all alone. You know what I mean? And, and it's one of the things that Satan also does. Satan is going to attack you at your weakest point. So if he sees that you're having uh, conflict in the church, why would Satan attack anywhere else? You know, exactly. He's not going to try to break down a big wall. He's going to try to just overstep a small fence that you may have and then come in and attack it. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of that. But the issue, the reason that's happening is because the church is almost allowing it by exactly. not helping that person grow or not helping that person be discipled, if you will, or not sharing that love. And I, and I think we as a church, um, church ministers, pastors, church members, whatever it may be, we, we have to wake up and understand the fact that, well, we're supposed to win our brother. You know, it's more than just, hey, you're right, I'm wrong, or I'm right, you're wrong. It's, hey, we have a bigger fight than this. This is more than just you need to show up on Sundays and Wednesdays. This is, I need this so that way I can be equipped for Satan and equipped for his, atta- equipped for his attack. And that, that's just on the church side and the individual side. And, and we have to wake up and recognize, again, that the truth and love is what's going to keep our brethren strong, and it's what's very necessary in just sharing the gospel and sharing the truth of the Bible. So, yeah, I would, I would agree that Satan's very active with a lot of these people, and, and we as a church have to be mindful of that. Exactly, man. Like, oh, okay, I, okay, I'm going to just – talk on this just a little bit more longer than I really sure. wanted to but I think when you're talking about you know truth and love I always think about it as um uh, grace and truth right because I think that right. when we we hear about this you read the scriptures we, we talk about how the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ right so it's like yeah. we have to be remember that like okay and I think I mentioned this on the podcast before but like just verses in the Bible that we know it's like okay the it says uh, the wages of sin is death right but then right. that's the truth aspect. And then the grace aspect is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I think for a lot of us, we have our truth with a period when it should be a comma with it. Mm-hmm. Because the Bible says, you know, for the wage of sin is death, you know, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And a lot of us mm-hmm. act as if that, you know, we, we forget the grace aspect of it. And, but what's interesting about that is even though we may forget to share it with others, we still kind of expect the grace to be given to us. Um, yeah. But that's a whole other conversation. But at the yeah. same time, we, we definitely need to have and show that grace and show that love uh, to people because, you know, the law, is, it, it, it literally tells us what we owe. You know, law says pay what you owe, and grace says I'll pay what you owe. You know, grace acknowledges right. the debt, though. And sometimes, sometimes we act as if grace doesn't acknowledge the sin or doesn't acknowledge the death, but grace acknowledges the debt, but also grace pays for grace. Grace is, is offered there to, to so many different people. But I think what we've got to do is teach people the truth but also teach people the love and the grace of God because that is going to encourage us and help us move forward in this Christian walk with God. And, uh, man, you just, you just, you making me want to keep going. But, yeah, that is just the, the, the aspect of that. And uh, do you have anything else to, to, to coincide with that as well? 
I, you know, I know you and I have a bunch of topics and, and little time so we can move on. That, that just means you got to invite me for another podcast, a part two. That's all that means. So I will save it for then, my friend. <laughs> exactly. So, okay, now what I want, no, the, the reason why I wanted you on the podcast is because you are a complex individual with diverse opinions, okay? okay. Now, this is Black History Month. Okay, and yes, it and it's a it's about time that I address some black issues. Okay, on the podcast. <laughs> okay, just a, it's about time I started doing that, and in doing it with a black person that doesn't exactly I would say fit in the box that America kind of has for black people. All right, okay. and I believe um, there's a narrative um, about black people. There's like a narrative about us, you know, about black people in general in America. Now, I want to ask you, and it's kind of it's almost a little bit of an ambiguous question, but I think that um, you can kind of narrate and focus it a little bit. But what is, in your opinion, is some of the narratives that, it, um, that I guess America has about black people? And then I want you, you know, as you point that out, I want you also to point out if you believe you fit in the narrative that, it, that um, America has for black people. Well, that, you're 100% right. That is a super broad question because in, in my time of living here, everyone has a different narrative about somebody, you know? Exactly, so there's, yeah. There's not, there's not a, hey, this is what I think about black people or white people or Hispanic people, you know? Of course, there's the whole joke, hey, you know, I love fried chicken and grape soda and all of that jazz, and which by the right. way I do. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there, there's a lot of different um, opinions in regards to uh, black people. Now, when you and I talk, a lot of things that we do talk about is um, politics. And right. this is one of the things that I really like about our friendship. And I'll just go ahead and put this on the forefront. Sheldon is one of my closest friends, prob- probably in all the earth. Um, he's, he's a close brother of mine. He, we, we rarely, if we have ever fight over anything, but we do not agree on a lot of things. (laughs) But for me, what, what makes this, what makes this awesome or makes it cool is the fact that we can have these conversations. And at the end of the conversation, uh, I still love Sheldon the exact same way that I did beforehand and, and vice versa. And we know that, um, one, one of the things though, I would say is probably an overlapping or an overlying uh, characteristic in regards to just uh, black politics, if you will, is that there's a lot of people that believe the black community is um, moved or more coincided and aligned with the Democratic Party, with just uh, a lot of the viewpoints and a lot of the ideas uh, that they may have, just in regards to, you know, uh, things like government assistance or whatever it may be, uh, there's a lot of hateful narrative that's out there as well, just in regards to uh, black people that they they want more government assistance and less opportunity to work, or um, they're, they're, uh, they have a particular mindset about, you know, certain people using a particular word or whatever it may be. And that's, that's why I say it's such a broad aspect, because when you text me, that's the question that you want to ask. I was like, okay, narrative about what? You know, uh, exactly. which part of the narrative do you want to discuss? And I can discuss any or all of them, but I think just as a overall, the most common one that I can just think of is, is that which, um, you know, black people are very uh, pro-government assistance and big government 
which is something that Barack Obama provided a lot of, and, and you know, that's pretty much what they wanted from this point. Right, right. And so let me ask you this. Do you, in, in your opinion, if you want to look at the, the black experience or the black narrative, I, I, I can say, through the um, black political lens, so then mm-hmm. do you fit in that box? And I know the answer, but I just want you to put that, say this for the listeners. <laughs> Would you say you fit in that box? Well, if, if the general questions, if you're asking me if I'm liberal, conservative, I tend to be more on the conservative side with a lot of the things that I believe just on the political realm. And, and I'll, answer the, I'll answer the question why. Um, I think when it comes to my political views, if you, if, I don't call myself a Republican. I wouldn't call myself a Democrat. I don't, I don't 100% see eye to eye with some of the Republican views. And I don't 100% see myself eye to eye with the Democratic views. But I would say I consider myself conservative. And this is what I am conservative to. I believe that America was established on biblical principles. And not saying that our past in America was perfect. Obviously, slavery existed. Obviously, women couldn't vote until 1919. Um, and, and I absolutely understand all of that. And so I'm not saying we should conserve to our older values what I would say is I think we should conserve to more of our biblical values and the way that I would conserve with the biblical values um, would coincide with a lot more of a conservative rhetoric than it would a liberal rhetoric. And, and uh, again, that, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, I believe what I believe in the Bible and I, and I believe that I'm correct. Now, the Bible does tell us that the Bible is not a private interpretation. So if I believe something in the Bible and it's wrong, then I'm wrong. But I believe just with the study uh, that I've done, a lot of my politics is based off of what uh, the Bible instructs me to live off of. And I believe for the most part, that's more so conservative than it is, I would say, liberal. Okay, this is good because this is what I I wanted you – on the podcast in general, and I think I want to have so many different other, you know, black people in general on the podcast that can share their experience or their um, their narrative, okay, with the um, general public. Because I feel like there is like a box that a lot of people put black people in. Okay, you're this, you're that, and I want to mm-hmm. show that black people are they can be those things or those stereotypes that you that you may think the black people are, but the black mm-hmm. experience is more than those things. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is that black people aren't aren't monoliths. We're all different. We got some in the suburbs. I just like that we have some in the hood. We have just different. Um, all of those things represent don't represent black people. We're diverse, diverse in thought, diverse in opinion. And what I love about this too is I, I want to narrow this down, okay? Because because you have just you you identify yourself, you would say, as a conservative. And right. there is an, um, a black woman who who has become a conservative darling, okay? Mm-hmm. She wants mm-hmm. to combat the mainstream mainstream opinion of black people, all right? She has been quoted as saying the most controversial thing I've ever done was to, was decide to think for my brain and not my skin tone. And this lady mm-hmm. is Candace Owens. I want to know, as a black you, – you, you, you consider yourself a black conservative – um, Correct. Wh- how do you view her, and uh, what do you think about her tactics? Sure. 
Well, this is a long answer, but um, <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you the short end of it. It's nothing new, um, and I'll explain mm. it this way. You, when you and I talked about the topics that we were going to address today, um, the, the idea of when you said, hey, I want you to talk about Candace Owens, I literally had to look her up. I had no idea who she was, okay? Here's the thing. I, lo- I looked her up, and I've seen her 150 times. I just yeah. had no idea what her name was. And so uh. I, knew exactly, I knew exactly who Candace Owen was. I know what, what that is. Um, here's the thing. Uh, this, is, this is part of the reason why I wouldn't call myself a Republican. And, and Democrats are, de- are, are, are um, guilty of this too. But I see it a lot more with my conservative friends is that there is a narrative that the majority of black people in America do not like Republicans, which if you were to take a study, that actually might be true. Um, but with that being said, uh, there, there are a majority of black people apparently that do not like um, uh, Republicans or conservatives. Then what they'll do is they'll find the one person that is African-American that spews that exact same rhetoric and makes them viral. I mean, she, Candace is a star on Fox News, to be honest with you. You know, and it's, and it's not because I think it's more, and here's the thing, I think it's more so than just what she's saying rather than it is who she is because she's, you know, a black woman. And so, in my personal opinion, this isn't the first time I've seen this. I, if you go through Facebook pages, there are pen, plenty of African-American people that are not named Candace Owens that are spewing rhetoric from the Republican Party, which in parts I tend to in somewhat agree with. Um, in other parts, I would say, well, check your history a little more. But with that being said, um, there, there are things that just are happening amongst uh, the Republican Party to kind of just smooth out the eye of, of let's, let's say who he is, Donald Trump. And so yeah. me, for the record, um, and I don't mind sharing this, I never minded sharing this, me, for the record, being a conservative, did not vote for Donald Trump this last election, and I do not see myself voting for him for the re-election just because of the rhetoric that he has that I still can't support. I, I, I am not for the sexual harassment of women, um, and, and just there, there are things that he has said that are borderline racist that I wouldn't want from a president. Um, but with that being said, it's part of the reason why I didn't want Hillary Clinton in office, too, because I felt like there were a couple things that she did that was, wow, that was kind of blatantly racist, if you will. Um, and yeah. it's just people trying to win the black vote. So the fact right, that Candace yeah. Owen, and, and, I'm, and I'm using that illustration to say the fact that Candace Owen is now a, a you're 100% right, the Republican darling, is literally for the fact that you know, they're, they're trying to woo over the small percentile that is on the fence between right wing and left wing. So A, they can get more of a Republican majority this coming election next year, and B, Donald Trump can get reelected once again. Um, and there's two people that they're doing it mainly with, and it's A, Candace Owens, and B, Kanye West. And so those yeah. two people are, are almost the, 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 the black mascots, for lack of a better phrase, to really help with the Republican rhetoric. And, and for me, welcome to politics. That's exactly, yep. that's exactly how it is, and that's exactly how they're doing it. I mean, you said, okay, there was a, a – and this is the, the first time I've ever, like, even heard of Candace Owens. or the, Actually, I, would, I actually didn't even know her name at the time. But it was sure. a, maybe a year or so, a year, maybe a year or two ago, 
Um, and I just saw, and this is what I get, I get super nervous because most of my Facebook is um, just mostly conservatives. I would say like a good 75-80% of the, my Facebook uh, friends are all um, conservative. And so when I saw most of them sharing a video with um, a black woman, when I just saw this, like I saw about 18 to 20 of my friends share the same video of a black woman, mm -hmm. I knew mm -hmm. it's not something I wanted to listen to. I knew it wasn't. I was just like, <laughs> oh, my soul, all these conservatives are sharing this black woman, right? Why? And I'm like, ha okay, I, I know what it is. It's going to be a black person who is sharing the ideas and the, the opinions that mostly um, – right wing or right wing I'm sorry conservatives um, use and say and because it's coming from a black woman it's viral and I knew that the minute I saw, I, I saw them share without even clicking on the video and I remember um, the video was talking about um, uh, the KKK and the and the, the little riot or whatever that happened last year in Charlottesville or yeah. you know, whenever it was I can't remember when it was there but I remember that was the very first time Okay, that she that I had seen her flooded on my timeline, and I knew that that wasn't somebody. If you are somebody that's going to be shared by the conservative friends that I that I go with, a black person that's going to be shared on that, a ninety percent of the time, it's not going to be good news, and it's not going to be someone I want to jump with. But I will say this: Candace Owens, and I, I feel like I put I'm putting her kind of in the same realm of the Tommy Lawrence of the world. You have got okay. to give them credit, though, on some aspects of it because they're great when it comes to, like, marketing. They're great mm -hmm. when it comes to um, sharing, um, knowing, understanding the time that we're in and understanding how viral videos can be and everything and, and just saying things and, and, and provoking um, uh, points. Like, sometimes some people can just say certain things that will get some people upset. And I think Tommy mm -hmm. Lauren and Candace Owens, they can say things that can make uh, people that, that, are, that, that are liberal just upset and angry and be like, what in the world is going on? And the anger mm -hmm. gets them viral videos too. So it's not just yeah. the love that they're getting, but the anger too. And when I feel like for her base, I think that she will get black people to vote Republican. I do believe that because I believe she caters to the black people or, um, who only hung out with white people growing up. The the only the, the, she caters to the, the black people that are the only the only black kid in the high school, uh, the only black kid that didn't know all the slang that the that the black people knew at the time, you know that that type of black person. I'm not even making fun of that type of, of a black person as well because yeah, sure. th this type of black person was me. Okay, I was right, one. Right, I was right. a guy who, for my listeners who don't know this. I went to one Christian high school, and the thing is I went to three different high schools in four years, but that's a whole other discussion. But one of the high schools that I went to, I was the only black person in the entire high school, okay? The only mm -hmm. black person, all right? I remember that, being in 10th grade going, there are no black people in this high school, in the entire high school. So I know what that's like, and so I can see that a, bl a black person that, that um, did not have – so many black friends who wasn't quote unquote um, I wouldn't say the cool or didn't understand the slang didn't understand some of the things that were going on would sit back and say well you know what I think I like this Candace Owens person I can't think I like the conservatives and and I remember there was a, a viral video where it was Candace Owens I think this, I forget the other conservative guy name I think it was Charlie Kirk or something I can't remember his name but they had like okay. some Q and A 
and there was a black guy who stood up and he was just it was this viral video and he was talking to Candace Owens and telling them that that they were, that they were going to leave the um, plantation of the Democrats. Okay, and this video went viral, and I saw all my Facebook friends sharing this type of video talking about how, oh man, this black person gets it and he understands the Democratic Party is just a, just a plantation for black people. It's good that he decided to leave. And I think that, that Candace Owens, though, will start to ignite the black people. And I don't think it's going to be a huge margin, but I do think that she's going to help get some people to vote for Donald Trump um, in this uh, coming election because what she's doing, we have to give her credit for it. Yeah, a couple things that I want to touch on with that. A, when you talked about Tommy Lauren, um, it reminds me of a phrase that one of my old friends used to say, if you ever get a woman that's beautiful and smart, that's a deadly combo. And that's exactly <laughs> what these two are. They're, they're both beautiful and intelligent ladies. And so the yeah. question is, what are they intelligent on? Are they intelligent on the right thing or the wrong thing? And right. that's for a lot of um, you know, political America to decide. Here's the funny part, Sheldon. I want to—I actually want to address your point by bringing that to the 2016 election between Clinton and Trump. You and I had the conversation about two weeks afterwards, to where you—you um, you were more so shocked about Trump winning, and I had a recognition about probably a week before the election, maybe three days before the election, that I thought Trump was going to win. And this is wow. why. At the time, I lived in South Florida. I had—I lived in South Florida. Um, in in one of the most liberal places, literally in all of America, Fort Lauderdale, probably uh, the place in Florida that's most liberal past that is Miami. But I lived in that area, right? And so yeah. there's a lot of Hispanic people, or Hispanic people there, a lot of Haitians, a lot of Catholics, whatever. It, it's a huge yeah. melting pot down in South Florida. That's and true. Sean, I kid you not, uh, at the end of October, beginning of November, when the election was approaching, I could not stop seeing Trump signs. And mm. it was really, really mind-boggling. I literally counted one time that I saw about 52 Trump signs in a week as opposed to about 20 or so Cain-Clinton uh, signs. And I thought to myself, wow. I was like, wait a second, this, this doesn't make a lick of sense. So one time, my pastor at the time and I went to go, I went to go soul winning and door to door, and um, we we probably talked to three or four different people, two of them being Hispanic, that just would ask, "Who are you voting for?" And I told them that I I still wasn't sure, and the Hispanic ladies are telling me, "Well, you need to go Trump," and or you, I'm thinking to myself, "Well, wait a second, wait a minute, what about the rhetoric of <laughs> build the wall? Like, does that not?" And, you know, they're, they're saying, well, hey, Trump is, is someone that I trust more than Hillary Clinton. And I think he's a businessman. He's going to be great for the economy and this and that and what have you. And so with all that, let me, let me tie this back to the Candace Owens thing, right? Um, I, at this point, do not know if Trump will be reelected or not. Last year, I would tell you no. This year... I'm staring to see that move that you're talking about with Candace Owens. Yeah. With the fact that now I'm seeing, well, I mean, unless the, unless the Democrats uh, select Barack Obama Jr., I don't know of a single Democrat that could overcome Trump right now because the Democrats are tripping all over themselves. They don't, yep. they don't have their party together. And now we're seeing the rhetoric of Candace Owens as being completely – listen, you had 18 or so – of your Facebook friends, share a video 
that went viral yeah. about Candace Owens a year ago. Yep. You know what I mean? This, this isn't this something that they shared yesterday because she said it yesterday. This is something that happened a year ago. I know that video that you're talking about because I watched it as well. Yeah. But at the same token, that was on my Facebook feed literally seconds after you had texted me, hey, we want to, I want to talk about this. You know, and mm. I had seen that, and this is something that is not going to, I think, die off to where yeah. I, I think you're right. I think there will be more of a move. I don't think it will be a grandiose movement, but Trump doesn't need a grand movement um, in order to be reelected. Uh, he needs the Democrats to keep slipping up and, and making their own mistakes and saying things that contradict themselves. And yep. you notice now. Trump is a lot less talkative than he was when he was campaigning. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's, he's a lot less talkative, and it's not by mistake. And so I, I find that interesting, that, that, that you have that mindset, that there might be some black people won over, because I, I'm, I'm personally believing that's going to happen. I do, too. I think he's going to get elected again. And the, and the reason why I think Trump's going to get elected again, because the Democrats have no idea what they're doing. I think, not, a, um, not a clue. I think the Democrats are so um, – I think that they're um, – one of the – because I saw some, a couple of the candidates that are running for president, and I saw a couple of them. I've been watching just a few of them. Um, I, I saw Cory Booker. Um, he was on The Breakfast Club. I watched his interview on The Breakfast Club. I watched Kamala Harris's interview on The Breakfast Club. And, um, and, I, those, are, and those are black people that are going for president. One thing about mm. Cory Booker, I think Cory Booker is um, – he has great – I think he has great ideas. I think he's a very uh, – how can I say it? I think he really want like he believes the things that he's saying. That, that, that's what I'll say. He, I believe that he okay. believes honestly what he's saying, um, and I think that he's a good person with a good heart. He cares. He's too weak to be president. He's too weak in this climate. He's not going to make it. There's no way. Um, and I, I would like you – I would actually encourage you to listen to that interview, and, and okay. I want you to read the comments because – there are black people who um, are in the comments basically talking about how much they're not going – they don't believe anything he says. Or, um, they don't, they're not going to be behind him. They don't like him you know, and all this other stuff. And, and they're saying just because you're black doesn't mean you're going to get our vote. And so they're like right. if you – and so that there's, a, there's a ton of black people now that are like they're waking up to the fact of, okay – and because there's something that I think Candace Owens um, said this too, and I, the thing is, listen, I do not like Candace Owens, but I'm the type of person that is, if you say something good, I'm going to commend you for it, okay? If you say something uh -huh. that, that are like, okay, that's right, I will clap you for it. But Candace Owens even said that pretty much black people have been, you know, taken advantage of by the Democrats because they, mm -hmm. you, you consistently vote for Democrats, but you never really get anything in return. You never mm -hmm. get anything like for you, and so and that's a good point, you know. And I would I, I would then say I to to those same black people, years, <laughs> yeah. But I would say that to the same to black people though who vote Republican too that like sure. they're not really, yeah. you know. So either way, I'm I'm not trying to say either party's right or wrong, but I am saying that to mm -hmm. have such a large um, group of people, like if I don't even know the numbers, but let's just say seventy five percent of one group. Is voting for one particular party. Let's just say it's seventy-five percent. It's probably more than that. But let's just say that for argument's sake, I would just assume that that party would have something for that for that for those for that group of people because such mm -hmm. a large group is voting for them. But I just mm -hmm. feel like that has not been the case. And so what's very interesting is that um, Charlemagne the God, whoever your opinion or whoever's opinion of him is, 
when he was interviewing both of those black candidates, he asked them a question. Well, what's your agenda for black people? Okay, very interesting. Cory Booker, black person, black man, whatever. He was all like, oh, well, I have an agenda for all people. Okay, for everybody. And the, the, when he said that and when he was talking about that, people in the comments are all like, what, what in the world? What is going on? You guys have an agenda for women. You guys have an agenda for the LGBTQ community, but you don't want to talk about your agenda for black people. Da, 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 da. So, like, I'm just letting you know that there are a lot of black people that are not going to be okay with just a Democrat just walking up there saying, hey, vote for me. There's a lot of black people that are going to be like, no, 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 no. And if you read those, I, I really compel you to listen, watch both of those interviews and read the comments because there are black people that are just like, no, we are done just voting for Democrats blindly. And it's very yeah. interesting. I think this election is going to be a very interesting election to, to actually see unfold. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, and, you know, the, the idea that Candace, that's, that's, again, something that I agree with, with somewhat of what she says. Um, again, just some of the things that I watched, uh, there's, there's definitely different wording that I would have used in some cases. But oh, yeah. For a lot, of, a lot of what she says, it does align with a conservative viewpoint. And one of, one of which you just said it is that um, I personally believe that there is some sort of institutional brainwashing, if you will, of the Democrats towards the, towards the African-American community because they, yeah. keep, they keep going that way, and you're 100% right. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton. You, you remember what Hillary Clinton did when she was Oh, um, so she was pandering like I don't know what. She was pandering like no one's business. Jay-Z and Beyonce um, are at her, her rallies. Uh, she's talking about how she loves doing um, or loves loves putting hot sauce on her chicken. Uh, she's dabbing yeah, on. on Ellen, you know. Exactly. And, and I'm just like, like come to, on. To, to me, it it was never more blatant than Hillary Clinton. Never more blatant than than her. Um, when when you try to say those things now. With that being said, all due respect to our president, he did the exact same thing. In his rallies, one of his rallies in Tampa, he would say, look over there. Look at my black friend. Look at my black friend over there. Isn't he great? And there will be people behind him, if you look at the back, uh, backdrops, that have the signs that say blacks for Trump. And you can't tell me that those aren't there on accident. That's, that's yeah. schematically put there for the sake of it. Exactly. Welcome to politics, Shelton. That's exactly how it's going to be. And, politics is and theater going, to me, but yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, it's which one can sell the best lie, you know what yeah. I mean? And so that's, that's why I usually don't pay attention to presidential debate. I don't, I'm not convinced on presidential debates. Anybody can say anything in front of a camera, but your track record is what speaks. Mm. And you know what? Donald Trump said some horrendous things in the past. But I honestly believe that Hillary Clinton might have done some horrendous things in the past, which is part of the reason why she did not get elected. I thought it was a poor choice. And I knew they were trying to go for the women aspect, but they should have taken the notes from the Republicans that didn't work. Because remember, beforehand, Sarah Palin would have been the vice president if uh, John McCain was elected. Yeah, and they were like, yeah. uh, nope, we're going to go with Barack Obama. And so uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's fun, man. It's politics. It's what it is <laughs> to, to just try to – sift through all of that nonsense and then actually come up with a legitimate reason. Okay, here's candidate A, here's candidate B. And in my opinion, if, if I can make some sort of acknowledgement or, or just challenge to uh, the African-American community is just the fact that really study uh, what each party, more so than what each person is trying to provide. Um, and, and when I did that, 
I personally, it's part of the reason why I'm conservative, I personally saw that Democrats were no, were real no, really no help uh, for the black community. And I wouldn't say Republicans are much better than it either. But one thing that I can say, and I will give Donald Trump this credit, is unemployment is very low. It's, it's the lowest has been in the last two decades. And it's, it's something that I, I really don't like giving too much credit uh, to him. But at the same token, that, that one, he, I believe he deserves. Um, I believe he deserves some financial credit outside of that. Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a fan of his rhetoric being a conservative and being a Christian. Right. But with that being said, those are, those are the things that I would give Donald Trump the credit for. Gotcha. You know, that makes a lot of sense. And I wish, man, um, there's so much stuff I wanted to um, discuss with you today. I think this is just another reason why we need to have you back on to, to discuss some part other things. Part two, coming soon. Yes, got to be part two. There's got to be a part two because I'm so serious, man. Like, there's so much I want to do. So what we're going to do, we're just going to redirect and try to get a little bit lighter here just a little bit and we're okay. going to talk about what we love okay we both love sports and we both love the absolutely NBA. and i want to hear your opinions because even this is why it's so great this is why sports is amazing it's because after we even talked about the topics that we were going to discuss more mm-hmm. things transpired after <laughs> more news <laughs> broke with the topics that we wanted to discuss today okay. So let me ask you this. What is your opinion about how the whole situation went down with Anthony Davis and him not being a Laker right now? Okay, I, there's so much that happened and so much that transpired. Why is Anthony Davis not a Laker? Hey, listen, you and I blame CNN for particular things <laughs> and trying to, trying to have a particular message, right? And we do the same yeah. thing with Fox News. You cannot tell me that ESPN is not doing the same thing. And I'm telling you, man, it, it was, to me, it was blatant. Number one, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Anthony Davis was not going to get traded at the trading deadline. I knew that. Yeah. Because first and foremost, do you see what, did you see what L.A. offered Anthony Davis? They offered him, hey, we're going to give you the team and, like, six players that aren't even on our team yet, you know, in traffic. <laughs> We're just going to just give us LeBron, AD, and we're going to put, I don't know, Jim from Section 138 down on the court and try to win a championship. And so uh, in, in my mind, I saw, all, I saw Kuzma, I saw Ball, and I'm like, as a Hawks fan, which everyone, I'm an Atlanta Hawks fan, yay me, um, mm-hmm. as a Hawks fan, you, do you understand how fast I would have pulled that trigger? Uh, yeah. Just for Kuzma alone, I mean, Kuzma, yeah. Trey Young, John Collins, oh, man, stop. I would do that in a minute. Our future would look bright. And you're going to yep. tell me that, that, that New Orleans is going to say no to that? And I'm just here thinking, yeah. they're not going to get a better offer. The only, only other team, and here's the funny part, the Boston. only other team that could offer better than what L.A. offered was Boston, into which Anthony Davis didn't want to sign a long-term contract with. Come yeah, on, he man. told them that. Yeah, and, and then it, this, this is, and the thing is, we talked about how politics is theater. Like the NBA is theater because, like, what's so interesting in those ten days? This is so cr- crazy. All this happened in a ten day window, right? That yeah, um, yeah. Anthony Davis' father puts out that oh, he doesn't want his son to be playing for Boston because of uh, the fact how they treated Isaiah Thomas. Okay, Isaiah Thomas, I didn't yeah. even know Anthony um, Davis's father existed. I didn't even know where he was. Okay, <laughs> and, and in those ten days, they found they found him to 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 have his opinion. Like I'm telling you, this is theater here. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> we 
know what y'all doing. <laughs> Man, I, I, I knew. I let's put it this. I would have been shocked if Anthony Davis got traded. I knew he wasn't yeah. going to be traded. Because um, this happens every trade deadline, Shelton. There has to be a big name that's disgruntled. Has to be, or else the trading mm-hmm. deadline is going to be boring. If you don't see it enough, you don't see it in any other league more than you see it in the NBA. You don't see big names in baseball. You don't see big names in football during the trade deadline. You don't. You don't see that. You you see all of it in in, in basketball. And this is something that I was just telling one of my teenagers because he likes basketball too. This is more proof that the NBA is becoming a player-ran league. Oh yeah. This, oh yeah. This is no longer. This is this is not the NFL where the owners still run the league because the owners still run the league. The players the players don't have as much leverage as the NBA does. But the fact of the matter is, the NBA is such a player. You know there are players that are just not signing long-term deals anymore. I guarantee you. I almost positive Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis will not sign anything more than a two-year deal because LeBron James is the one that started. The man is so financially intelligent. He is such a businessman. So I don't think he will, outside of what have he just signed, I think after that this is his last four-year contract that he's going to do. He got all of his money guaranteed, $156 million or something like that. I think next, next time you're going to see him do two-year deals until he's done. Because that's how the money is going to run in. And, and now players have started to figure that Kevin Durant's doing it. I really think Kyrie is going to do it. I mean, you know, this is, this is such a player-run league. It's like, you want my services? I'm going to run the show. And Anthony Davis is just the most recent one to get to the party. Now, with that being said, I'm surprised he asked for a trade here in 2019. I think he needed to be traded back in 2016 because the Pelicans yeah. did nothing. Nothing yep. to help him out. Nothing. They're, 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 their best player right now is Drew Holiday. And, and yeah. They, hey, Drew Holiday's know, a baller, though. Man, I wish I, almost, I, wish he, I had he, him in Miami. He almost beat me this week. He himself almost beat me in fantasy. <laughs> I won by two points in fantasy, and that's because Drew Holiday missed a three, which really helped oh, me. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, was, uh, I, I can't, I can't knock Drew anymore. But yeah, it, it didn't surprise me that Anthony didn't get traded. Chelsea. Well, let me, let me tell you this, and this is you mentioned something there, and I want, and, and there's two topics I wanted to kind of think on, and this would be, this is, I think that this is such a great take that no one has had that I've seen. I've, I've, I watch ESPN, I watch mm-hmm. even uh, Fox Sports, and I mm-hmm. see no one have this kind of take yet. So, um. I will probably, you know, I think this would be a great take, and someone's going to steal this idea. But let me tell you this. I think just like teams have, like, incentives for players, like, you know, like in the NFL especially, they'll sit back and say, well, if you don't make this award, you won't get this this signing bonus if, and all right. this other stuff. I think that players need to have incentives and contracts to say that, you know, if we don't make the playoffs for three out of the five years of this deal, this contract can be null and void after three years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the, yeah. the way you're saying that this is a player-run league, let's really make it a player-run league and just make yeah. it to where, okay, our contract, like we have a contract together, me and you, but we got to have something on my side because if you guys aren't doing your end of the bargain as a management team, this contract can be null and void. And I think that doing stuff like that would make more players be say, okay, I'll sign a long-term deal with you, but we know that if we don't get a, if we don't are a championship contending team, if we don't have that surrounding, if we don't make the playoffs, then this contract is null and void 
after three years. You know what I mean? Like something yeah. like that to where that would make players want to sign long-term deals because it makes them have faith in organization that they're actually um, surrounding that player with accurate people people that will, you know, help them win that championship. And I think that'll be great. Now, what do you think about that whole idea that I just put out there? We're, we're on our way there. I honestly believe it. I, I think we are closer there than we recognize. I don't think we'll see it in the next decade, maybe. No. But I definitely believe that we'll see that within the next 10 or 20 years to where there will be a player incentive. I mean, listen, players, they, there's already player options. You know, yeah. in, in the NBA, there is no other league in, in, in existence that have player, player options. And I don't know yeah. much about hockey, but I don't think hockey has player options either. But, yeah, yeah, this is a, hey, we'll sign you for four years, and if you like what we're doing, you have the right to add on a fifth year. You know, yeah. and, and we're already seeing that. We've seen that for the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years, and we're going to continue to see it. And, you know, I, I really believe that um, we are – getting to the point where that's really going to be a true plausibility to where even the players will have stipulations. Listen, I need you to get me this or I won't do it. But let's be honest. It may not be in contract form, but you don't think LeBron <laughs> James and Magic Johnson had that conversation in L.A.? Yeah, like, hey, for listen, sure, for sure. You know, I understand we won't win the championship this year. But, man, I'm here for four years. I better have some competition in some yeah, way, shape, or sure. form. I mean, LeBron James is on Michael uh, or Michael Jackson. You hear me? Um, Magic Johnson. <laughs> you know the yeah. the entire. You remember when he was injured and he would be standing in the tunnel with Magic Johnson? I'm like, yeah. look at these guys recruiting people they should be trading mm-hmm. for. Like, this, yep. <laughs> it's yep. just a terrible. It's a hilarious Instagram video or a meme if you want, but I mean, it's just a terrible narrative. It's, and it's it's already happening, and so uh, I think we'll be more blatant here in the next decade or so um, about it. Now, but this is the fun part, Shelton. This is why the NBA is the growing sport in the league. Oh, yeah. And you, you wouldn't oh, yeah. believe that I'm saying that, but if you ask 12 to 22-year-olds what's their favorite sport, it is not the NFL. It's, it's the NBA. Yep, NBA, now, yep. Yeah. In the NBA, the, the numbers are still not close to the NFL, but what we're seeing with the politicization of the NFL, the numbers are declining. And you oh, don't yeah. have that type of politics going on in the NBA, and they're increasing. Uh, fans are more – listen, man, we just had this rookie sophomore game last night. There were more people mm. that viewed that last night than the NFL Pro Bowl. And oh, that, wow. that's, that's, that's mind-boggling to me. You know, people are not – yeah. That's not to mention the All Star game that's about to happen on Sunday. There's oh yeah, we. I'm, oh yeah, that's gonna be so fun. It's like an that's over under be... where both teams score 350 points. Like they, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no defense in that, but people love it and they eat it yeah. up. You know, I'm four hours away from Charlotte. I toyed with the idea of going to watch the dunk concert tonight. <laughs> I, I, I would never do that for the Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and something, okay, this is what I find very interesting. I think I want to, um, oh man, because we've got a few more minutes left here, but I want to ask you this question too. I think that what's very interesting is the fact of Kevin Durant made comments, and I, and I think there was some reasons why, there's some, you know, some motive behind it, but he made some comments about LeBron James, about playing with LeBron James, and saying that LeBron James creates a toxic environment, right? And so many people that were like, you can tell people that are, LeBron James fans who are in the media 
who were all upset with those comments saying, why in the world would Kevin Durant say that LeBron James creates a toxic, a toxic environment for players? But let's think about this for a second. Because of LeBron James, all those players were, were out. They see their names for those 10 days saying that they're going to be traded for Anthony Davis. For all yeah. of those, for those 10 days, and the thing is, LeBron James, wherever he goes, a coach is, a, uh, it's always saying the coach might get fired. When, when he first came to um, Miami, there were talks mm-hmm. that, oh, man, they may fire Eric Spolstra because him and LeBron don't get along. So he was trying to get Eric Spolstra out of there. That didn't happen. Pat Riley put his foot down and said no. He goes to, um, he, he goes to go to Cleveland. They went and said, oh, man, whatever you say, LeBron will let David Platt go so you can go ahead and David Blatt, I mean, go so you can get your boy Tyron Lue to be the coach. Like, he, he literally, he creates this toxic environment. I believe it's true that he creates it. But yet all these people in the media, I'm talking about everybody that I saw were all like, oh, my soul, what Kevin Durant said was so terrible or so bad. But I actually kind of agree with it. I believe that let LeBron create the toxic environment because he's so like because he's so great and he, because he wants to win a championship everywhere he's at. He creates this for for players around them, and also it's never his fault. Whenever people like have something wrong with like LeBron James' teams, it's not LeBron's fault. It's always his his parts. It's always that scenario. Okay, Kyle Kuzma's a baller, but you know what? It's not. LeBron's fault is Kyle's fault. It's Brandon Ingram's fault. It's these young players' fault everywhere he goes. And sometimes I get to the point of, like, when is it ever going to be LeBron's fault for this? But what do you think about Kevin Durant's comments when he said that, you know, LeBron creates this toxic environment? Listen, man, I, the the sentence doesn't bother me more than the person who says it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, you're talking about a toxic <laughs> environment. You, 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 Mr. Cupcake Snake having looking self, you don't tell me that you don't provide a toxic environment in Golden State. Man, Steph Curry was like one of my dearest favorite people because he had a great head on his shoulders and he was the greatest shooter of all, is the greatest shooter in my opinion of all time, or yeah. just behind Ray Allen, whichever one you want to fall into. And now mm-hmm. I can't stand to watch that guy because he's more arrogant than he's ever been because you exist. But not, and not even that. Yeah. I don't even think that he's the most arrogant, or I don't think he's the most toxic person on his team. You need to sit here and tell me that Draymond Green does not provide a lick of in- uh, contention amongst the Golden State Warriors. Mr. Oh, down by four seconds, I'm going to dribble up the ball, not pass it to Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson. Uh, oops, uh, oh, I lost the ball. I mean, I don't know if you remember that play, but I remember that play specifically and how Draymond Green and Kevin Durant were arguing minutes before overtime mm-hmm. in an overtime yeah. game in which they lost. I mean, come on, dude. You, 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 you got to stop. I, someone needs to take the microphone away from Kevin Durant. I am done with that. Man, if he retired today, I would throw a party. It's, it's oh my just, soul! <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's man, he gives millennials such a bad name, dude. He, this guy, come on, man. He literally went from OKC after blowing a three-one lead to Golden State. Went to Golden State and thought he was gonna be some sort of hero. Stop, please, man. And now, now he's over here arguing with Twitter eggs on Twitter. Sixteen-year-old nobodies. Trying to uh, solidify his man, he's, he, oh, man, please, dude. I, I tell you what, you remember, you remember me in college, man, and how sensitive I could be sometimes. This guy is like three times that sensitivity, and he's like three years older than me. Like, stop, come on. Oh my! Tell me that LeBron James is toxic. Please quit. 
quit. You know what LeBron James oh, has? No. He has three rings that he's earned. You had three rings that you had to like piggyback off of Steph Curry. Now I won't I won't lie, oh, your first snap. ring your first I won't lie, your first ring he balled. He balled. He 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 took he took his first ring. I won't lie that there. But oh my word, man. Stop it. Stop it. You're gonna sit here and tell me that LeBron James is toxic. Yeah. He's he's not the one that has is, is arguing with Twitter eggs. Stop it. And if anything, LeBron James is more of an NBA ambassador than Kevin Durant is a teammate. So I don't want to hear it. Oh, snap. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, I was not expecting that uh, Durant rant, but okay, we'll take that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can tell, but I've thought about this for a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see that. I see that. Um, I was not, <laughs> that wasn't even in the topics we discussed, but I just threw that out there and you were like, that was like gold for you just now. Okay, Stephen A. Smith. All right. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I'm not going to lie. I was about to say, I felt like Stephen A. right there. I kind of feel good. <laughs> Tosh, I'm so, so excited, man, to have you on this podcast, man. Um, I really appreciate you being on. And like we're saying, we have to have you back on. There's so much new and important things that are happening in the world, especially in the NBA world, that I really want to get your opinion on. So you're going to probably yeah. be the guy that I go to, my go-to sports guy um, yeah. and everything, so we can have you on again in the future. Um, but is there yeah. anything um, you want to uh, leave the people with before you go? Yeah, just just two things. One, keep supporting my boy Shelton, man. He's like I said, one of the one of the most genuine people that exists. Um, he and he mentioned our friend Christian. Um, we've been ride or dies for you know greater part of eight years, and uh, he's 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 doing something amazing. And I'm I'm thankful for the fact that he has this podcast, and I'm glad we had fun there at the end. But we. We did hit some serious topics, and we should be able to have serious topics and, and, and chew on things and even disagree if we have to um, just to see growth, and that's, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, we we want to we just make things better and, and, and uh, leave things at a better place than we once had them, so I appreciate Sean for being active as that. And then, again, just if I could, if I could just reiterate anything, it's just the fact that I think the church needs to just remember the, the truth and love part. Um, it's been a burden of mine for the past two or so years. And, um, you know, I personally, even myself, for those who have left, I personally myself has experienced pain um, through the church by people lacking in love. Uh, for me, I wanted to be one of the people that could help change that type of an atmosphere, change that kind of a mindset. And so I appreciate you, man, for allowing me uh, to speak on that particular topic and this is not goodbye this is until next time because you best believe i will be back <laughs> <laughs> for sure man for sure all right so um this is another installment guys of the weird pastors kid podcast i am your host shelton williams and i definitely want to if you guys listen to this podcast and you're like man this guy that guy shelton is weird you're absolutely right if you listen to this podcast he's like man this guy is really a pastor's kid you're absolutely right as well this is the weird pastor's kid podcast peace